Hello and welcome back to Fan Critical. It's time to carry on our coverage of Mindhunter Season 2. This week we're going to be talking about episodes 4 through 6 and you've got me, Emma and Lucy. Hello. Uh, We are going to bloob as we go. The structure for this episode is going to be to talk about all of the episodes individually, uh, think about the key themes, um, not everything and not complete rundown but just the bits we really want to talk about and a couple of the interesting bits and pieces to follow up on. And then uh, next week we'll be covering episode seven to nine the end of season two yep so we're going to kick off with episode four we open up uh, the episode and uh, holden's got really obsessed with the atlanta child murders and uh, he's like briefing the team with his big big board of things bits and pieces and gun walks in he's like well don't really want you don't really want you into investigating this getting involved it's not our place anymore um and holden's a bit stroppy about that um, and everyone else doesn't seem really keyed in. What did you think of that, Luce? Yeah, I think it's fair, really. I mean, we're watching it from a viewer's point of view, and we obviously want Holden to go and help the mothers of the disappeared children, murdered children. Um, but yeah, if they haven't been asked to do so by law enforcement, they're not going to be ta- spending time mm. and resources that the FBI have provided to do it. Like, it makes sense. And also, Holden's gotten himself in trouble for sticking his nose in before, so I guess Gunn's trying to kind of rein him in. Um, but lo and behold, another ch- kid goes missing. And ding, ding, so ding. they are actually called back in, so we can actually carry on. Um, and in this episode, we also get um, Holden running some episodes, uh, running some episodes, running some experiments uh, about what black children um would get into a car with a white yeah. man or a black man for which i thought was really interesting i loved it i loved the way they set this up with um what was it, is it the beginning of the episode where you see yeah. a man asking kids to go into his car basically a, a black guy uh and you have that fear and dread of like oh is this God, the guy is this him please don't um and then obviously it revealed that he's a police officer and it's also quite funny like what do you want us to do with him now he's got this car for the kids like we want our dollar where's my dollars take him for ice cream yeah I, I'm never to get in a, a car with um, a strange man again it was quite an interesting way to do it and I quite like the whole experiment thing um, and, and showing that they are trying to uh, kind of be a bit more proactive to, mm. to build their case because of course Holden's not not really gone down very well with the whole it's obviously a black man this kind of thing um but actually giving it some like qualitative data to back Mm. it up even if he's not meant to be investigating i thought it was really interesting and using um agent smith oh greg is just the shittiest nonce looking fucking guy turning (laughs) up on the project like his little horrible shirt (laughs) hey guys you want to you want to want a job for some money he didn't even seem to know what he was doing either he's he's so baffled so baffled. I feel really sorry for Greg in this whole season because he is just the worst. He's out of his depth. So out of his depth. And it's really sad. And even with Wendy, I mean, we'll talk about some of that a bit later on, yeah. but he just seems to be completely baffled by the whole process. But I guess he is learning. And we're used to people, we see um, the characters that have got some kind of experience or like Holden, they're just sort of preternaturally gifted at this kind of thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, with a, like, a lot of jobs, you don't learn... You only learn by doing and by making mistakes. So he might, we may make an agent out of him yet. Um, But I do also think, really, if we're looking at this as in, like you say, like collecting data, those two experiments are not that far-reaching, are they? And what have you done it with Tench or with Holden, who are a bit more confident and might have been Mm. able to be a bit more persuasive? Would they have gone with him? No, maybe not from the project when their parents are watching, but 
in a car that would have been interesting to yeah. see but I really like the way they opened up the episode with that because it made it, like you said it made you really go oh shit is this mm. the guy like is this the guy that that's been taking these kids is this how it's happening yeah. and really kind of threw you off kilter a little bit speaking of speaking of Greg good old Agent Smith in episode four we um, get Wendy and Greg going off to interview a serial killer mm. and this one's really interesting so this is Elmer Wayne Henley uh, so he was part of the Houston mass murders, uh, and so, was it the Candyman, Candy Dean Coral? This was creepy, mm. so creepy. And the guy, interesting, you you pointed this out when we watched this together. Actually, you see the guy that plays Elmer also played young Ned Stark. I know, but they've so Holden and Tench are supposed to be doing this interview, but then they get pulled away and um, to go back to Atlanta. And Wendy's like, "Screw it, we can do it. Yeah, Why don't we do well, it?" Well, Wendy's just like told yeah you can stay behind and wait she's worried like how long is this going to take for you to solve all these murders how long would it take for you to solve one and there are 12 so you can see she's getting a bit frustrated with i don't think she feels like she's being taken seriously by gunny definitely not um and i think that's a big theme across these three episodes but the whole season especially and, mm. and we'll talk a bit more about that later on when it really crops up but i think it's a shame so they go in to interview this guy and he portrays this exactly how i'd imagine elmer to be mm. um he so he's one of the um what they think um is that he was initially one of his first victims one of dean calls first victims mm. and then he turned to save himself and then became the guy that went and found the kids for he's the candyman's torture isn't he so he has a high IQ he could obviously talk himself out of that um and it's very fascinating they obviously they can't we may never really know why he he was able to do what he did but just how you could go from potential victim to actually helping the killer it's it's kind of scary because it's almost like a really twisted Stockholm syndrome isn't it mm. um except that it happened so much quicker than you probably would have expected and I think it was very much a like a self-preservation moment and actually I had a look there was a really good um website that showed all of the actors against the real oh, killers really? wow. and he it's just the mannerisms that all of the actors in this season um bring to the bring to the fore so to speak that I thought was really really good but I've that that scene for us is something really important, which put Wendy, um, I think, in the eyes of the viewers as a, a really valuable member of the mm. team in a way that no one else really takes or gives her credit for. No. So Greg is stumbling his way along. He's got no idea what he's doing. He's really bumbly. It's a high level interview to put him in for his first yeah. time. Yeah, it is. Start somewhere, I guess. But yeah, he he does not know how to relate to him. He doesn't know what questions to ask. And he doesn't know how to deal with the hostility. So he's a dead fish, really, in this sort of situation. And I suppose the difference with Wendy is that she's been in front of patients and, Mm. um, you know, studied people before. So she's a bit more confident around that. So she steps in and takes over um, and really challenges Elmer and um, and tries to to get through to him and and seems to at some point. And then she starts talking about um, this kind of dominant subordinate relationship Mm. um, and one that she's been in and gives away quite a lot of her own personal story. Greg's sat there going... Huh? What? I mean, she's basically coming out in front of him and he has no idea. Yeah. Like, amazingly. And she does it so cool and calm and it's just really, really nicely done. And we've had kind of hints of this before and I think they talked about it in season one about that relationship she had with her lecturer that turned out to be quite sort of psychologically abusive. And I think she's trying to... Well, she is obviously trying to find that kind of stream in common with Elmer. 
Um, and I think she does a really good job of it. So Smith obviously mentions this in the car on the way back. And uh, and she just sort of brushes it off because he's like, oh, I can't believe how well a story you made up so quickly mm. on the spot. Um, you know, everyone's going to hear that and everything. And she just doesn't really say anything. Yeah, she doesn't confirm nor deny. Yeah, I mean, she's very, what's the word I'm looking for? Like Poker face. Yeah, very poker face. Stoic, Yeah, I think. She doesn't give much away. Um, I mean, why should she? But Well, no, absolutely. So then we kind of go back to Atlanta. We've got another kid missing. Mm. They've joined the investigation again. Holden goes to talk to all the mothers to say he's come back and they're all a bit like, eh, yeah, well, you know, it's taking you enough time. He's going to use the full resources. He definitely wants to stop them, but they're really not buying it. Would you if you were them? No. I mean, how long has this been going on? How many children have gone missing? You would not. Unfortunately, they're jaded and with good reason because they haven't had any help. They haven't had any results. It seems like the police are trying, but they don't know where to start. Because where do you start with something like this, so far-reaching? Well, and you don't. And the only reason they've been called down this time is because there's been a ransom call and they Mm. think it's a kidnapping. And this is where Holden starts talking about his theory around, you know, it's a black guy, this is what it is, this kidnapper is, this isn't the guy, it's a hoax, Mm. we're going to find a body. And he's really ruffling feathers, especially with the commissioner. And then they get thrown out again. Yeah. So, well done, Holden. Alienating. And I think it's Bill that sort of says, you've, you've basically not even been to a crime scene... You don't know, you haven't done a full analysis and you're just bowling out there saying, oh yeah, it's a black man, he's got a dog, whatever. Mm. And you can see that your instinct needs to be backed up by something holding. With with these kind of people that are this high up and have got political aims and political interests, you can't just be trotting this out when you've done no background. Your instincts are great, but now look what's happened. And whether they're right or wrong, you're in an environment where race is such an issue right now. You've really got to be careful. Um, and clearly we see how this goes wrong. But but Bill's not there to um, to stop him from no, throwing this all out. Point. Because he's been called back as the uh, the police want to interview Brian yeah. for his involvement in that poor baby murder. Now, this is where it all kind of gets a bit real. So it's shocking. Not only do we realise that he was there, but we now realise that Brian was the one who... Brian was involved with a bunch of other kids and he was the one that put the baby on the cross. Mm. Now... This is traumatising enough anyway, because a baby has been killed or a toddler, which is horrific, let alone when you suddenly realise that Brian, who is, what, seven, something like that, six or seven, is somehow involved. And Nancy and Bill's response is immediately to go, well, well, he put him on the cross because I assume he thought that that would bring him back to life and he was trying to do the right thing because he realised they'd done something wrong. What do you think about Brian? Um, I mean, I'm not a parent, but... I do kind of think a young boy like that probably needs a bit more stimulation than he's getting because Bill wants to address, like, deal with him in a, in a strange sort of... He needs to play sports way. <laughs> he wants to see his, uh, the boy that he wants rather than seeing his child as he is. Mm. And I think Nancy's just a bit potentially overbearing. Maybe they're not really listening to him. Like, the fact that he kept saying he's sorry, there was no... You know, when he wet himself, like wasn't really any further investigation into that and I, obviously it's the it's the style at the time of parenting perhaps and the fact that he is adopted but I think it's difficult because they say you know the police I guess we're gonna we'll come on to it uh or I don't know who it is that she says it someone to do with the police that he didn't get help and he didn't hasn't told anyone about it and that's that's what the problem is because mm. he didn't actually do anything but it's his lack of action, which obviously yep. is going to link back that link back to um, Henley. 
I mean, yeah. obviously not lack of action, but yeah, maybe you didn't actually kill anyone, but you watched it happen and you didn't tell anyone. Your, so. in, your inactive participation makes you as guilty sometimes or a lot of exactly. the time as anybody else. I also think the reactions from Bill and Nancy are so opposing mm. and their parenting styles are very opposing. Um, but it, it does still really make me wonder what what's going through Brian's head because the fact he said nothing afterwards i mean the only thing he did was wet the bed which you all thought was a bit weird and we'd just been talking about that in the kind of previous episode but this kid plays this amazingly mm, well he's very stone-faced it kind of terrifying it yeah, makes me think of like the omen yeah i was yeah i was thinking of exactly that it's just blank eyes and just nothing and the way he just completely goes mute mm. it just really really sad and i feel like it shows that the fact that he didn't tell them he probably doesn't talk to them about anything, about any, anything about how he feels, about what's happening to him in his life. Like, he just doesn't really connect to them. Because if he did, he would have said, this has happened. Like, mm. I've done something. Or even if he didn't realise, I mean, he's quite old, that something bad had happened, he would tell them. Because kids do not shut up about their day. And this, I did this and I did that. I mean, he's a little bit older. But he obviously but does still, not talk to them. He's little enough to be that chatty, isn't he? Like, mm. kids don't have a filter no so either he knows something is really wrong or he's so traumatized he just has no words for what's happened and the fact that that concept doesn't seem to enter their mind and the fact that it's recommended that he sees someone and they're they're a bit like well nancy's quite against it like why are you against it he needs help because even if his reaction had been normal would you not think he needs to see a counselor after witnessing the murder of a child and then suggesting to put him on a cross he does need help and Nancy, I think she's quite concerned with keeping up with the Joneses and she doesn't want yeah. him to be seen as being weird or strange rather than thinking, what well, is actually best for him at this point? I think she's um I think she's also completely afraid of what's gonna come from this. You know, if she if he goes to speak to a psychologist or a counsellor to talk through his experience, what's gonna come out of that? And I think we learn a lot later on, um, you know, about their fears around the fact that and he's adopted what mm. happened to him before yeah, he was where, with them. Where did this all come from? But Bill's reaction to this, I think, is great. You know, he's obviously not happy about it, but he knows this is what's best for Brian. Yeah. And he, I think he really, really loves Brian, obviously. Um, and you've got to give him credit for that. And I think it just, it, it really, it really, really shines through. I think also, and we talked about this in the last few episodes, the, the contradiction between the reactions of a white child being murdered in a predominantly white mm. area and black children being murdered in a predominantly black part of the city yeah the reactions are very different i imagine that not one of the you know brothers and sisters or friends of the kids that got missing in atlanta have been given the opportunity to talk about their experience no well pretty sad huh a lot of a lot of the time it's just even if they don't think it's a serial killer so what these kids are just stuffing someone else's underwear down their own throats and killing themselves like do you not want to find out who's doing it? And that's yeah, yeah. that's an added frustration, obviously, to the case. So the last kind of bit of this episode that I think is worth talking about is um, Wendy goes on a date. Get it, Wendy. Go on, Wendy. So they go bowling. Yes. Yeah. She's very overdressed. Very overdressed. Really crap at bowling. Mm. But I really, I enjoyed this. It was nice to see the human side of her. And it, you know, we talked about, I don't want it to just be about, you know, her then being like traumatized by it all going wrong or anything yeah. like that. But I think actually it was really nicely done, and mm. I like the character um, of is it Lauren? I don't know. I'm going to go with that. Okay. Um, I, I think they they fit nicely together as opposites, and I think it really opens Wendy up. And I really enjoyed that whole episode. Like it was just 
well, that whole part of the episode, I thought it was really nice to see that other human part of Wendy. Yeah, just seeing another side to her opening up a bit um, and her loosening up, really. You don't always want your female characters to be defined by their relationships outside of work. But I think in work, she's not getting much scope to kind of develop as a character, no. as it were. So it's nice to see that develop and see how it potentially will bleed into her work. I guess we'll see how that pans out in the rest of the episode. Have I missed anything vital um, in episode four, Luce, do you think? It's difficult because obviously I watched these a little while ago. Uh, well, I think that's pretty much it. I reckon so. So what would you blueberry this episode lucy and if there's someone who's listening who doesn't know what the blueberry score is could you also please explain that to them okay so blueberry score is how we rate the things that we are reviewing so you can have um any score from five being the best zero being the worst but you cannot have halves no halves so though that is the way the game is played um for this one i really i did think this was a really strong episode because we have further involvement in the Atlanta child murders we have the interview with Henley which I thought was really fascinating and really well done um and it linked really well to the revelation that Brian Tench witnessed the murder of the child that was found in the basement in Bill's neighborhood so I'm going to give this episode five stars no I'm going to give it five blueberries good god Lucy what's wrong with you I don't know (laughs) tired um yes i think it was a really strong the start the first three episodes were good and built and then i just think that revelation is the revelation in this episode though about brian because it, it's the last episode that we find out it was a child and then it's this episode that we find out because yeah. yeah they want to speak to brian and he's already admitted it he, but then that's a, that's what's weird is that he hears them talking and comes out and goes yeah yeah i took the key and i did this and i did that so sometimes he's happy to talk just maybe not to his parents. Maybe once he sees the reaction, that's what really puts him back in his box. Uh, yeah, we, we've cracked it. We've diagnosed him. Um, and we have. Genius. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, really, really strong episode. A good sort of almost centrepiece to the, the show from the beginning mm. and then obviously as it progresses. Yeah, I totally agree, actually. This is the five blueberry episode for me as well. Mm. Um, all of the stuff with... Brian kind of lurking in the background and then that revelation, um, Wendy doing that interview, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and the kind of where things already blow up in Atlanta and Holden gets chucked out again. Um, it, it's great. It's really beautifully done. It's really well shot. Um, and yeah. actually one of the things that I don't think we talked about is that right at the end of the episode, I'm pretty sure there is a guy in a car who offers a kid $2 yes, for something. Yeah, so true. it's bookended by that experiment yeah. and then potentially... The real deal. The real deal. Um so that's episode four. Yeah. Look at that. Efficient work team. Uh, before we move on to episode five, I think it might be time for a little advert break. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Hello. Uh, it's that time of the episode where we hawk our wares to you. So if you are enjoying this content, uh, then please do look at what else we do. There's loads of stuff on the fan critical channels that we cover. Uh, we've recently just done Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which was a great and enjoyable podcast with myself and John. John and Gareth are going to be releasing their next episode of The Worst of Netflix, where they trawl through Netflix to find a zero bloob film. Watch it, review it, so you don't have to make your eyes bleed by doing it yourself. It's hilarious, it's great fun, and uh, there have been some really good ones. The next one coming up, I believe, is called... 
Can't remember. Cut that bit. Uh, we will be recommencing our coverage of The Walking Dead next month after yes. much debate across the team. It's what the people want. Uh, it's what the people want. It is what the people want. Um, so do look forward to that. Uh, Castle Rock Critical, one of our baby podcasts, is going to be releasing coverage of it too with some of the lads. And then the girls will be back at you in the next couple of months with our retrospective review of Carrie. Yep. Book, original film and remake. Yeah, it's gonna be hard work that so Mm. give us a bit of time but it will be coming Uh, so if you do enjoy what we do and you want to keep up with the latest then you can follow us on social media we are at fan critical pod on twitter fan underscore critical on instagram fan critical on facebook and you can even email us at fan critical podcast at gmail.com now if you really like what we're doing you can support us on patreon lucy would you like to tell the team about patreon and uh, maybe give a shout out to one of our newest subscribers i would so you can support us on patreon there are different levels of tiers blueberry tiers obviously you can go to patreon.com forward slash fan critical um, you'll get access to bonus podcasts such as our cast it podcast where we recast classic films and tv with other actors with hilarious results most of the time (laughs) um and there's different tiers where you can chat to us so we have a a patreon called jamie that we chat to once a month and there's also tiers where you can even be involved in a podcast which spoiler warning maybe coming up in the next few months we may have some patreons that are going to reach that dizzying levels and you know that could be you it could be dear you. listener um we've had a new patron recently jason jason nelson um he's really loving what we're doing he's loving the mind hunter so sorry for the delay jason but we're back at you um so thank you so much for your support and if you'd like to make like jason and support us as i say www.patreon.com forward slash fan critical whatever you can give is much appreciated thanks guys now back to mind hunter back to the studio Okay, so now it's time to talk about episode five. Don't know why I said that, like I was announcing some kind of (laughs) star on a stage. Um, So episode five is one of the biggies, I think, in Mm. this trio of episodes that we're covering because um, we get Holden and Bill going to interview a really big, not actual serial killer. A big name. Big name in the the murdery world. Uh, It's Charles Manson. It is. But before they get in to see Charles Manson, they pop in and say hello to Ed. <laughs> That's just so funny. It's like, just ridiculous. Manson's not ready. Okay. Okay. It's camper available. Like, we'll just, so, just pop in while just we're in. have a cup of tea with Ed. You know. Holden's so annoying. He, yeah, it is weird. So this is the first time that Holden's seen Ed since his collapse at the end of season one after realising he'd gotten too close and, you know. He's an idiot for he had becoming him a bear hug. Bezzy mates with Ed Kemper because are you mental? Mm. Um, so they have a bit of a chat with Ed, and then it's the time where they start talking about like, would you ever go and revisit your crime scenes, mm. which is something that they've talked about before, and something that has been kind of touted but never really mm. proved. Positive. Um And Ed's response was overwhelmingly, uh, "Yeah, of course I do. Um, I, I just can't get over how good Cameron Britton is." He is amazing. He plays this so well, so terrifyingly well, but also I kind of love Ed Kemper. Yeah, he's kind of just like a lovable giant. So let's not think about too much, because I think because we've only heard about what he's done, and hearing about it's bad enough, 
had it this been the kind of show where you're seeing these horrific things, I think it would be different. Mm. But you're able, a bit like Holden, I guess, to kind of put that out of your mind and engage with the character in front of you and not really think about his deeds. And I think that's part of the kind of the magic and the skill of Cameron Britton in playing this role is mm. that he really does nail that. Um, so he obviously confirms their theory that, yes, of course, they go back to the crimes and this has come from speaking to um, David yeah. Berkowitz. Yeah. Uh, and that if he couldn't get there, he'd at least use mementos and things like that. So now they've kind of ticked off another serial killer list box. Mm, um, profile. Yeah. TK. What is it that um, Kemper says? Like something about you're only you're only going to catch them if they're not very good, or like there's going to be there'll be ones out there that if they they're good enough, because he would never would have been caught if he didn't confess. Kemper. Yeah. He obviously said it in a cool way and not in a oh there are better, worse ones out there or whatever. Well, basically, he kind of says, like, you're only ever going to be able to get this information from killers that have been caught. Yeah, what you really want to do is find it out from the ones who haven't, but you're never going to be able to do yeah. that. Um, and that's it's a bit kind of an of, ominous, like, there will be more, and you won't yeah. be able to actually catch them. Um, only if they want to be caught or if they're stupid enough to be caught, mm, and which, I guess. Which is probably not that useful for someone like BTK that has uh, evaded captures so far. And uh, there is a bit here where Kemper says to them when they go off to see Manson, uh, just don't don't <laughs> stare because he is a bit small. Yeah. And I've I've got to say, like Manson has been high on my radar lately for a lot of reasons. I've been reading some stuff about him. Obviously, I've just seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, and I knew this was coming out, so I I delved back in. And so they go in and they sit down, and uh, as Manson sort of strolls down the hallway, Holden stands up. I know. Right, so I hate this. I'm going to come back to that because first, what I want to talk about is how amazing Damon Harriman is. Scary. So after we watched this episode, I then YouTubed a video of just like Charles Manson footage and there is footage of him walking down a corridor in prison that is completely perfectly done by Damon Harriman mm. in this episode. It is a terrifying portrayal. Um, he's hilarious. Yeah. Just, well, I mean, not, but just the, ridiculous. And actually, it's exactly how I always imagined Manson to be. You know, very... He's just like an ageing hippie wannabe, like, philosopher rock star. Like, he, I found him quite, like, pathetic as well. A lot of mm. what he was saying, like, it's your children, man. Like, he just, he sounds like a drug-addled hippie. Yeah. And you wonder, but he's, he seems a lot more intelligent than you would give him credit for, the way he's able to deflect everything. Like, no, I didn't, Hell at Skelter wasn't my idea. I never heard anything through the Beatles. Never did any of that. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, like, I didn't kill anyone. They, was, they wanted to get Bobby Beausoleil out of prison. And you do, I mean, I was talking about it with my brother, um... Before he actually seen it and before he knew that Manson popped up and he said that, you know, there are theories that actually the police pinned a lot on him with regards to like the cult and mm. his involvement in the murders that there's not really any evidence for and that he was probably just this sort of cult-like figure, but everybody was really responsible for their own actions. And it was interesting for the show to take that approach, I think, and to showcase that side of him. Yeah. Obviously, that's what he says. You never hear it. You only ever hear it as like it's canon that he told them to do this. He mm. said he said about the rates war. Um, he got them to write pigs in blood and on the wall and all that. Kind and of you thing. can never ever prove because it's hearsay, and he never had any physical action in any of those crimes. No. Which is why he's an interesting one to talk to because actually he never committed any murders. And you know, he killed like that drug dealer, didn't he? 
yeah, but nothing kind of. Not not. I mean, that's awful. Don't kill people. Um, but more, he's famous for leading a group of people who mm. committed some fucking atrocities. Yeah. But Holden seems almost like he's in reverie. Yeah. So as I said, he's, stand, he's standing up when he comes in. Does That's, he shake his hand? Yeah, he's it, the standing up is just it's like standing on ceremony for a, a waiting dignitary. Did and you? Bill think, is hating it as well. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Did you think that um, Holden was doing this because he actually felt that way, or because yeah. he was trying to get inside his head? No. The automatic way in which he just did it, it was like mm. reflex. Yeah, He's I thought so. He's a smart guy, but in his face, he was wrapped. He was just looking at him like, wow. So Manson basically just gets himself on the back of the chair so he's taller than them because mm. he's got a little man complex. Huh. Sorry for anyone with one of those, but, you know. Um, and he's spouting a load of fucking nonsense and Holden seems completely wrapped by the whole thing. And uh, then he starts talking about family. You know, that's a big part of the whole Manson mm. thing is they were a family and, you know, family this, family that. And you can see Bill's face getting real fucking uncomfortable here. Yeah. You know, the effect that family or parents and upbringing has on children. And of course, now he's thinking about Brian. Yeah. And I really, I really felt for Bill here. I thought it was really hard to watch. But he's getting, he's allowing him to get in his head. And when he's like, yeah, it's not my children, it's your children going out there. It's not my world. I didn't create this world. It's your children going out there killing people. Yeah, Yeah. literally that's what's happening to Bill. Yeah, and it just, so of course Bill cuts the whole thing short. Mm. um, And I... I really like the way that what they did he that. What did call him? Like a dwarf prick or something? Something like that. It was fucking hilarious. It was just really funny. Um, he's just had enough at this point. And to be honest, Manson is giving them nothing useful here. No. Like nothing useful he's is happening. He's deflecting everything. It's very. It's interesting that the sort of mythos behind him has been built up with potentially no real evidence. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is a, a fantasist. This is a narcissist. He's all obviously just going to deflect. I mean, we said from the start, like Manson's not serial killer. Um, as much as it could help with like the Henley stuff, it's more going to help more to actually speak to Henley than someone that's not going to give you a clear answer and is going to tell you his version of things and paint himself how he wants to be seen. Like I don't know how much use it would really have. I mean, Wendy seems to think that it has some use, but... I think there's something fascinating about someone like Charles Manson, who is essentially a cult leader, Hmm. um, and the effect that people like that have on the people that follow them. I mean, look at Jim Jones, for example. Yeah. You know, yes, he he put the poison in the Kool-Aid, but he didn't force them to drink it. He did. I mean, he did, but he did it through psychological... But there were like people actually being like well, held down and that having is true. surrendered to them. But he there didn't were people. Force them to be there. There are people that followed, kind of, yeah. And that okay, fair enough. There are some, and obviously the kids. It's awful, but a lot of the people that are there just blindly followed him because yeah. they believed it was true. Um, you know, slightly worse. Jim Jones is awful. Was awful. Um, but M- Manson's psychology, I think, is very interesting because it also leads to things like we think about Elmer thingy with um, Dean Cole. Like, yeah. what potentially drove him to do all of those things with someone like that? Is it the same psychology behind it? Yeah, which is where they're, they're trying to get that from, I guess. Yeah, it's a different. There's the serial killers, and then there's the sort of aiding and abetting of serial killers mm. and not doing anything about it, which is where Henley and I guess you could say Manson. Manson is seen to have facilitated it all, but he is the notorious one. Mm. He is the absolute notorious one when he didn't kill anyone. Yeah. Um, so before they leave, Holden gets him to sign his book? Well, I, to be fair, I think Manson grabs his book and signs it. He's not that bad. He's like, sign my book, <laughs> Please sign it, Charles. Yeah, he signs it, um, and then he asks for his sunglasses. Yes. Which he gives, obviously. Fanboy. But, but why, why would you? Why would you give him your sunglasses? Fucking... 
It makes no sense. He's just unstable. Well, he's not. He's, well, he's a little bit unstable. Holden's a little bit mad. I think for him, that's kind of cool. That's like, oh, this this really fascinating, interesting guy. Once my sunglasses, obviously, he can have them. Um, but then we find out after that that uh, <clears throat> good old Charlie Manson's nicked them so he can say he stole them from an FBI agent yeah. and look cool, and he gets given them back by a guard, which I kind of liked. I thought it was and exactly what I imagined him to do. he earns himself a week in the hole just to look cool in front of the others what an absolute prick crazy so leading on from this and, and i'm not going chronological order from the episode i'm going in the order i want to go in because i'm in charge today emma's order. emma's order uh holden then decides it'd be really worthwhile going to interview tex watson yes who um was in, highly heavily involved uh, with manson and that's a lot more in, like probably interesting and you'll get a lot more out of it yeah interviewing the family Absolutely, because they're they're the ones that are in prison for the actual murders. They're mm. the ones that committed these horrific crimes. So Tex was obviously involved in the La Bianca murders and Sharon Tate. Mm. Um, and when you read about these, it is just, it's unbelievable. I thought this was a really interesting interview because Tex came across as very much like, no, Charlie didn't actually do anything, mm. but he let us he let us open up enough to believe that we could do it and that we had no inhibitions no fear um and what did you think of that interview i thought it was really um really telling and really interesting but it's also you're speaking to someone that as they all do gone through a lot of christian conversion and Mm -hmm. is thinking about what they're doing and is but is maybe opening up a bit more genuinely um and he does see it as actions that he took and Holden tries to press him that, you know, would you have done this without, if you'd never met Charles Manson? And he said, yeah, he had hate in his heart. He can't say that he never would have killed. But really, I think if you think about the trajectory the family were all on prior to meeting Charles, which we we kind of found out in the previous episodes, you know, they were all middle class. Mm-hmm. On, they're on decent tracks, really. So I don't think... Obviously, no expert. I don't think it's really fair to say, oh, yes, you probably still would have ended up killing people no. if you hadn't met him. I also think, like, okay, if the world all went to shit and we were in an apocalypse, I could kill people, mm. 100%. But I don't think even that would convince me to commit... Even, like, it's even the extent of it. It's not like they just went and shot someone. You know, Sharon Tate was stabbed something like 57 mm. times. That you- description is very... That's just too they much. Do, they do it very well, to be honest, because I really didn't need to hear everything that they did no. to her. But he just, yeah, he says, like, you know, she wanted to, to come with us, have the baby, and then we could take her. And it seemed like, makes sense. But then I could just hear Charlie saying, or Manson saying, kill everyone, kill everyone. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of move on. Was that good? I don't want to... Yeah, there's no need that. to harp on that. No. Um, it's too traumatic for any of us to really have to mm-hmm. harp on to. But I thought, I thought it was done really well and the fact that... What was interesting is he talks about, correct me if I'm wrong, he talks about finding religion again. Yeah. Which for me is interesting because it's kind of going from the family to Christianity yeah. to anything he can follow that... They say, don't they? Gives structure. just move from one cult to another. Yeah. Not that I'm calling Christianity a cult. No, it's not, but it, but it, it helps you find meaning in your life, yeah. inverted commas. It's structured belief, mm. which, you know, a lot of people need, but, you know, that's definitely a better thing to follow than Charlie Manson. Let's be honest. Well, it depends which strain you're following, but yes. Well, yes, that is true. Very true. Um, so back home, Brian uh, Brian gets a social worker and a psychiatrist. Mm. Nancy is not down for this. Nancy, I'm 
Nancy is really against any help. Maybe I'm being unsympathetic because I don't know what it's like. But again, fucking play the game and just deal with it. Yeah. This does need to happen. He could be like in juvie. He could be being investigated. He probably does need a social worker. Social workers always get a bad rap. And I think she's portrayed quite like unsympathetically again. Just like a proper box ticker. Yeah, I think so. But also I think that's trying to kind of what's the word I'm looking for like spark a bit of that in us as well Mm. um but I do think that Nancy is being ridiculous like she she clearly is just so afraid that they will find something out that will take him away or that will make him guilty but she's thinking about herself and not Brian and I think Brian could probably do with help like I said so yeah she needs to she does need to roll with it and the kind of performance she puts on, I just don't think would be helpful. No. Doesn't seem natural. And it's a shame because actually they're treating him as a witness, maybe an, an accomplice, but they're trying to make things better and trying mm. to work out how he got himself into this horrible yeah. situation. And why he behaved the way he did. And if there's anything else troubling, like wouldn't you want that for your child? You want them to, to be able to get better if there is something wrong. Sad times. Mm. I feel sorry for Brian. I don't feel sorry for Nancy. Is that awful? No, it's not. I mean, I think she just... I don't think her concerns are in the right place because I don't think it's concerns for Brian. I think it's concerns for herself and her social standing. And yeah. she doesn't want Brian to be taken away. But I think that's more because that doesn't look very good. Rather than... I mean, we find out... Later on in the season, there's, there's a scene that kind of... Yeah. Is informing what I'm saying now. But, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think that... It's coming from the right place. Yeah, I As agree. As a non-parent. <laughs> yeah, neither of us have kids. We don't know what we're talking about. But we're, we're going to throw out some opinions anyway. That's the whole point of fan critical. Unwarranted opinions. Uh, so on a completely different note, Gunny's going to have a party. Oh, Gunny. Oh, Gunny, what are you doing? Mm. So he's having a big fancy do at his big fancy house. And he invites Wendy, Holden and Bill. Not yeah. not Greg. <laughs> that is funny. Not you, not you, Smith. You stay. Yeah, you stay here. You, you man the desk. None for you, Glen Coco. Oh, poor old Greg. So they all turn up, and uh, Holden's in a bit of a weird old mood. And anyway, then he ends up being like left after Bill's been regaling all of the, you know, the big lads who are going to help him get funding mm. and all of this. He leaves. He, Bill's been doing some great funny stories about crazy it's funny serial with, killers. Um, Bill, because you kind of see him as being a bit socially awkward, like at the cookout. But actually, he's quite a good raconteur, and he he yeah. has a way with people of that level. He's such a man's man that other men's men gravitate towards him in a way that Holden is just like an absolute square peg. Yeah, and it's really, really embarrassing to watch Holden. But I think Bill knows how to play the game as well. Yeah, and, and it's it's the same with the social workers and everything. Yeah. He knows that this is how it has to be and this is what we do rather than trying to rail against it. Yeah, watching Holden try to regale them with some stories was like... Um, I was watching... Oh, it's like watching someone talk to a cat. Uh, it was horrific. Um, but meanwhile, Gunny has decided that he's going to uh, try and set Wendy up with uh, Warren... This yeah. was gross. I mean, Gunny's a bit skis as well. Like, what does he do? He like does undoes her zip or something, or like. Oh, tells her to undo a button. But he actually like touches or like turns around her necklace or does something to her yeah. dress. Ew. Really creepy. He's a rank. And what we're really starting to get, I think, now, and, and this has been a, a very subtle theme throughout this season, is the rampant sexism that yeah. comes from from higher up, but especially from Gun. And yeah. I'm really disappointed because. 
you know, last episode, you basically said, oh, you can stay here and run things. Like, they'll sort it out when they come back. You know, it's like, you stay home, make dinner, darling. Yeah. I'll go to work. And um, and you're starting to get so much more of that as he basically tries to get her to sleep with this Warren guy because he'll give loads of money to the Bureau. And it's oh. like, actually, not only is that not my thing, which is irrelevant, you can't pimp me out. That's no, not how shit works around out. here. Um, so that whole thing was insanely He's uncomfortable. Very persistent, that Warren, and it was uncomfortable, but really she, uncomfortable. She dealt with it very well when he, she said that she wants to go, like, go home. He was like, "I'll drive you home." I'm, I insist. She's like, "No, I'll, um, I can drive myself home." Well, I walked you the car. No, I can walk myself. I insist. It's like, yes, Wendy, yeah. you're giving us all lessons go on, on how Wendy. to deal with unwanted attention. And we've all been in that situation where, mm. like, you've been left to talk to someone and you're like, I feel really uncomfortable and yeah. I do not want to be here. Mm. This is not happening. I don't want to secure further funding this way, okay? <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so meanwhile, as we get to the end of the episode, there's another kid that's been abducted in Atlanta. So that kind of leaves us on the end. But one thing that we haven't mentioned so far, because there wasn't any in episode four, is what on earth is going on with BTK? Yeah. We what is he up to? What is he doing this time? Is he printing? No, in this episode, he's burying a box of his he's creepy things in the garden. Burying his clown mask and his nice shoes. Ugh. Ugh. So creepy. Why is he burying them? Because he, so he can go back and get them. I guess so. So he's saying, I got rid of them, but if I really need them back, I can go and find them yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, and I quite, there's a part of me that really wanted more BTK. I feel, I mean, not in real life, just in the show. Um, <laughs> I didn't commit more murders. I feel like they've just, they teased it so much in the end of season one. And then yeah. we've they've just been getting these little snippets of it, but nothing really happening. And I think it's here we start to realise that we're not really going to get much yeah. of him. Um, and it, it's a bit of a shame, because I think that's one of the most fascinating parts of it. I think it's definitely leading to, like, series three. Yeah, I think so. Um, I guess at this point they don't know enough they literally don't know anything um, I mean we did have uh, episode 2 where they he Tench interviewed Kevin Kevin Kenny the brother it's Kevin or Kenny okay um, they interviewed the brother so that was like quite a lot of time dedicated to it but I guess they're, he's on the back burner at the moment and there's not been any more murders so they're just like no meh Carry on with other bits. Yeah, just kind of leave them to it. Mm. Uh, so that's episode five. Yeah, not as much. I, one. I would give this a four bloop. Yeah. Still excellent. Um, but Nancy annoyed me. You know, that's no no judgment on how good the episode was, but personally, she just irritated me. Um, and not as much happened as I think I would have liked. Yeah, there wasn't as much progression in any of the storylines. Which, it's not really... Um, Mindhunter doesn't zip around, it doesn't, it takes its time to tell the story, which is mm. absolutely fine and is admirable. And you're not, excuse me, you're not always going to have um, these standout knockout episodes. You need the bridging ones as well. Um, so that's fine, but I would agree, I would give it a four. Um, they're slowly ratcheting certain things up, like Wendy's frustration, mm-hmm. the deterioration of Bill's home life we're slowly getting there yeah we're eking our way there but and that is part of the magic of Mindhunter is that it doesn't rush you no it takes its sweet time and, and that's one of the beautiful things about it it's grown up TV for people that can wait for a story to unfold people with some patience mm. uh, so let's talk about episode 6 the last one in this little trilogy mm-hmm. so one of the the big things that happens here is that Brian poor little lad he's getting really weird isn't he so Nancy comes yeah. home to call him for lunch one day and he's he's not there 
So she goes running around looking so for him. Is he, right, so has he just been on his own then? I guess he'd just been in the garden or something. Where's she been? Who knows? So who's been looking after Brian? No one. There we go. Ding, ding, ding. Bad parenting, Nancy. Mm-hmm. Um, so she goes wandering off and then she eventually finds him just standing, staring at a girl on a swing in a playground. Yeah, it's not a great look. It's not It's not quite what you want to be doing at this moment, um, I'll be honest, Brian, because everyone already thinks that... You're a mini serial killer. You're a mini serial killer. Now you're just creepo staring at people. To be honest, I saw it more as him looking kind of longingly like, I wish I could just be like normal and just be on a swing with my mum. I just felt really desperately sorry for Brian. Because I didn't think it was like, mm, I want to kill her. He's just sort of like... And I think wish I could be involved in that part of the world now that I'm in this horrible, like, silent mm-hmm. void. And I think they're trying to give you scenes to make you think either way. Mm. So you could flip to that, oh, it's God, I wish I could be normal. Or, oh, my God, that child is terrifying. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he was being creepy. But also, I think inside, he's just not capable of expressing how he feels and no. what this has done to him. Like, and he is isolated. would run up and be like, can I have a go? Or, like, start chatting. But he's just watching. Yeah. That doesn't make him wrong, but it just, the optics of it are not great. Now, interesting sidebar. So, um, there was a murder like this. Yes, I I did some Googling as well. Yeah, me too. Um, Where a bunch of kids murdered a toddler and put them on a, um, put them on a cross. It seems a bit more deliberate in the real case. Yeah, and it seems... The baby wouldn't stop crying. Yeah. They kind of tried to shut it down. They softened it a bit more, but... It was quite deliberate and it was quite violent. Mm. Do you think they're trying to turn Brian into a baby serial killer? Not a serial killer of babies, I mean a little one. Well, oh, it's awful, both, awful um, phrasing. Um, I think that would be a bit on the nose for Mindhunter because I think Mindhunter will send you in a certain way and you think, oh, like, for example, it's not really the same, but the cat, um, Wendy's sort of stray cat in the first series, mm. you think, I was like, going to die, it's going to turn up and its head's going to be cut off. Because you, that's the kind of trope that you're expecting. But it doesn't go anywhere because life's not always like that. Um, no. So with this, I think... I, I think he's, like, traumatised. Maybe from something from his childhood. But I hope they're not going to go down the right of right now. He's torturing animals now. He's doing this. Because it's, it's yeah. a bit of a cliché. It is it's a, a bit, bit cliché. What I quite like to see is that... Nancy gets her shit together and really commits to taking him to therapy and he gets better. Yeah. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I'd like it if they just chatted to him. And well, all that, yeah. And rather than just trying to make him be normal without listening to what he, how he feels and what he likes and what, what's going on with him. Just, what's going on, Bri? What's going on with you rather than just this kind of mass? Maybe someone give the fucking kid a hug. Yeah, that would be nice rather than just like patting him on the shoulder or just... Go and yeah. play sports. Right, okay. Good parenting. Great parenting team. Mm. Oh, poor Brian. I feel awful. Yeah. Well, let's move on. Yeah. So we get another interview with Wendy and Greg. They go to interview Paul Bateson. Mm. Um, again, Greg's not really sure what's going on here. He seems very uncomfortable. Greg needs to do some research, yeah? Well, so Paul Bateson is a bit of a creepy, creepy guy. He's creepy. Um, so he uh, he's only ever been convicted of one murder, which was of... Uh, I think I want to say like a publicity guy or something um, that he sort of half chopped up that he's suspected of being responsible for the bag murders. Yes. Which is like torsos and bin bags in the river, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but he was, he's gay. Um, he was big on the BSM scene. And that seems to make Greg really uncomfortable. He is, I mean... But also the guy is creepy. We, yeah, he's very creepy. 
But we did. We didn't touch on it. But in the last episode, when they are discussing the Henley transcripts and talking about, I mean, I think it's gun there. Was talk or talks about? Oh yeah, you bringing up the, the dyke comment. Yeah. And then he says, oh yes, but homosexuality is a is a deviancy. And and Wendy's like, well, it's not actually a deviancy. It's um, it's no longer in the old DSM. Yeah. It's now seen as like an aberration of sexuality or something like that. Yeah. So he, I think he's homophobic. Do you think that's what it is? Yeah, he is homophobic. Uh, okay. Like in the in the classic sense of he is scared of mm. gay people. Not so much I hate them. Just I don't know how to handle this. He's um, uncomfortable. Mm. And this is a, a serial killer, so obviously that's horrific. But well, they've never proved it. I mean, this is potentially this is a murderer, which would make you uncomfortable. But I think, and you, you know, a lot of there are, there are cases with the police where that kind of ignorance can lead to. You know, big mis- problems, miss clues, and further murders. Mm. So he needs to get his, his act together and try and take it as it is, and not put his own judgments, moral judgments, on their lifestyle onto it. But I, I think the uncomfortability is because he's homophobic, he's prejudiced. That's interesting. Okay, I uh, I like that opinion. Mm. The flip side opinion is that he's a, he's closet uh, closeted hom- homosexual. I don't know why I couldn't say that out loud, maybe, which maybe. is why that didn't that didn't even occur to me. But he seems pretty sure that he thinks it's a deviancy and that haircut. I'm, I don't want to be stereotypical. Mm, but yeah, actually, it's a good point. like shit, so... Maybe he's just trying to hide it. <laughs> yeah. Poor old Greggy. It's deep cover. <laughs> um, but Wendy's, uh, Wendy's uh, attempt to kind of get inside the head of Paul Bateman in this doesn't really work no. because he's a whole different kind of yeah. personality and she can't connect with that. Um, and he eventually just sort of gets up and storms out. Um, he can see what she's doing. It's quite transparent yeah. to him. And he's he, clearly smarter he than it. she gives him credit for. Yeah. Um, so then we go back to uh, good old Atlanta. More kids gone missing. I think at this point we're at like 19 kids. This is the problem. Like, um, I think I mentioned the, the Atlanta Monster podcast, which is not great. And I think part of that is because, you know, sometimes murders are not that... They do not fall into storylines that well. After 19 murders, who are the mur- who are the victims? Like, how are they killed? You're yeah. Just, you're losing track, and it is getting repetitive at this point. It's like another body's been found on county lines. Oh, we're going to go and do this. Blah, 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 blah. Which is part of the reason why I've kind of ignored a lot of that until we get to the really key points, because it is the same thing over and over. It is over repetitive. And over. And Bill has to fly back on Fridays, and then, duh, 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 where were you? Sorry, I missed my flight. It did get a bit repetitive. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I, yeah, and I think it really hit a moment in this episode where lots of key things actually started to happen. And you were like, well, I've just spent the last two episodes watching Bill go back and forth. And, yeah. You know, the more interesting stuff has been the interviews and it's been kind of, I mean, we've barely talked about Holden for like the last 15 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I did actually, um, I saw online something that I thought was very true and it said, it was about Mindhunter, obviously, and it said um, the the real strength in this season of Mindhunter is realising that Bill Tench is a much more interesting character than Holden. Yeah. Because the first one, it was all like, oh, isn't he weird? Isn't he a bit like And he was strange. interesting in season in episode yeah. one. Season one. And now that has worn off and it's this sort of conflict that Bill is facing. And just him as a character, everyone's obsessed with Bill Tench, myself mm. included. Um, and it is a lot more interesting with him as the kind of focus rather than kind of the eccentricities of Holden. Yeah, because we're kind of over that. Yeah, and it's fine, and he's still in the background being slightly odd and standing up for serial killers as well, standing up for cult leaders. Um, but I think I saw that, and I thought, yeah, that's very true, and I think that's why it's kind of mm. gone to another level. And we've also moved away from the like serial killer of the week, 
because we've got the overarching story of the Atlanta child murders, even though it is a bit repetitive and nothing's really happening. But yeah. that's murder investigations, isn't it? It's well, not it always is. well exciting and it's reality. Of breakthroughs. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's just reality, isn't it? Um, I mean, the only really key thing that happens in, in, in this episode is that um, Holden's spouting forth about um, killers revisiting the scenes of the crime because obviously mm. they've had this chat with Kemper and, and um, with Berkowitz. They've so got a pretty good idea that that's... Yeah, so they go and stalk out some of the other sites. And then, lo and behold, it turns out at one of the areas where they found a body, they find three more. Yeah. Now, my question here is how shit was your search? Because if you're still missing 19 kids... But you, uh, at the same time, what is interesting is this is where his profiling is really actually coming into fruition. Mm. Because... He's using proof. Obviously, not a police officer, but... I don't know that you would search places that you've already been. If you didn't have any idea of criminal psychology whatsoever, well, yeah. you'd be you it wouldn't be on your radar. You would be thinking of other places probably, which is what is so clever about the profile mm. and the killer. Yeah. And I suppose it, it also from a killer's perspective, you go back there because you assume no one else is going to look. Mm. Um, and it's toying with the police like you're not like, Yeah, it's playing games. That's really clever. Fair play whoever you are. Whoever you are Atlanta child murderer. Um, so we find three more bodies in various stages of uh, decomposition and mm. we identify them and I'm very sorry that I can't remember who they are. Well, but, yeah, I mean, that's the horrible nature, like the banality of these murders. Well, it is, isn't it? And I'm sure it's part of the focus as well, like, you know, these black children, they're just one one and the same, aren't it's they? It's just another one. Yeah, it's um, But what they do find is a penthouse magazine and, uh, well... Some matter. Some matter, some biological matter. And somehow they managed to tie this back to um, a plumber in a truck. Yeah, how did they do that again? I can't remember. It has fingerprints and I think he... Oh, it would be the prints. He had like a... Previous for something minor. Burglary or something, yeah. Nothing violent or sexual. So the Atlanta cops are all like, right, we're going to get warrant for his arrest. Clearly he's been coming back and jerking off at the scene and this, that and the other. Which, so that doesn't make any sense really. Lady porn, not small black boy porn very strange very strange um and holden's like it's not the guy Mm. it's not the guy Uh, he doesn't believe it and then you know blah 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 um so at least they're making steps in the right direction at least they've got some kind of suspect here and they're at least listening to what holden is saying yeah and bill you know they have to investigate him because how many times the murderers come in and then they just get let go like and as much holden's tunnel vision you have to be like right well let the police actually do their job you do have to investigate this um and then that that whole thing with that guy is in the, in the podcast as well, and the kind of different people that they they find. There's a thin line, I think, with Holden between just like bowling off on his own mm. and then refusing to let anyone do their standard police work. There's there's got to be some kind of middle ground that he doesn't seem yeah. to have, and he has to let people go through the motions because you do have to go through the yeah, motions. You have like to Sherlock, investigate everything. Just shut your eyes and go. Mm, My mind Mm, he's black mm. I mean he's, he's got reasons for that but as Bill said like you haven't really based this on any evidence you're basing this on your own thoughts yeah um, so they, they have to interview the guy but it, it does seem pretty clear that he's not he's got loads of tape as well lots of duct tape in the back of the van he's a plumber yep. maybe they use it to fix pipes you know perhaps he got it all on discount for a bulk buy at the old tape store the old duct tape store <laughs> um, and last but not least this is uh, another episode where we get a flash of the old BTK and this time he is at the photocopier. Yes. And he is losing his fucking shit because I mean, the photocopier's broken. And 
And he's trying to print out his little soppy symbol. Yeah, look, it's my BTK symbol and my letters and stuff. To get his leaflets in circulation. Little little nutter. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Well, not I'm not printing out... No, but Furies with a photocopier. Symbol, but you know when you're printing out something, you're maybe not meant to. And I mean, you know, when or you're like, at work and it's personal stuff. like Or like it's your CV for a new job yes, or something or like, like that. Flights, you know, if you've got plane tickets. Anything you have to print at work that's not part of your job yep. and then it jams and people are coming over and you're like oh, go away I need don't to get gonna... if I refill the paper it's all going to come out and you're going to see you're going to see my symbols I don't want you to um, see my symbols man so that's quite relatable for me but yeah. Um, yeah I understood his rage I did and it's that kind of thing where these near misses are they getting more frequent? they are but because his, his wife caught him wanking um, and you know he took the watch and all that mm-hmm. and he, he, let, he left her, someone alive and now someone almost saw a symbol. Although they would never have known anything. It wouldn't have made sense until like a no. year later. Yeah. Quite. Um, but still, the crazy man in the library. Mm. Um, so that's episode six. Gosh. Um, that's episodes four through six, actually, in the last hour that you guys have got to enjoy us ramble about. Wow. Look at us go. Um, still leaves us with not much resolution, but that's no. kind of the Mindhunter way. We've got lots of questions and a lot of strange goings on. Um, and yeah. only three episodes left of season two. Good God. Goes quite quickly, doesn't it? Mm. Um, so we will be covering those in the next podcast coming out soon. But before we do that, can we blueberry that last episode, episode six? Yes. Lucy. Um, episode six. I'm going to give it a four. It kind of didn't hurt. I mean, I think I watched this in the bath, which probably <laughs> helped my That's concentration creepy, man. <laughs> With the lights off. No, lights were on. Um, I think... It, this is where it starts to get a bit eyes glazing over during the like mm. about the child murders bit. Um, it wasn't as fascinating. The interview with Murder of the Week wasn't that fruitful or mm-hmm. as engaging. So I think I would give it a four. I'm really torn with this one because actually I didn't enjoy it as much as everything else. And coming up to episode six, I kind of want to see something mm. it felt like it slowed down rather than picked up yeah and actually i'm gonna go a bit Ooh. gonna go a bit rogue it's a three blue for wow. me mine hunter your standards have fallen good god you're average dear god um but hopefully episodes seven through nine will pick up uh so thank you for listening to uh, these three do come back and listen to the next ones um as we said in the break do follow us on social media at fan critical pod on twitter fan underscore critical on instagram fan critical on facebook fan critical podcast at gmail.com god we're all over socials and if you really want to give us something towards making these podcasts bigger and better than ever then jump on to patreon.com forward slash fan critical and give us a couple of bucks uh, we will be back soon with uh, more mind hunter as well as lots of other things coming out like once upon a time in hollywood worse than netflix the walking dead more castle rock critical with carrie and it too see you soon see ya